Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine. And with me today, this week, is your favorite editorial director, Frank Morelli. How you doing, Frank? I'm cold, Joe. I mean, and it's bad because it's like in the 70s here, but the weather's so confusing. I got on a sweatshirt. It's just weird. Well, I'm I'm shocked. I'm usually the the cold person, and I'm I'm doing quite well. It's a nice uh, uh, fall weather where I'm at, so I'm I'm enjoying it before uh, before the snow and the the cold come. You keep that. I don't want it. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get started. Uh, Again, we've got a loaded show. Um, Our first story comes out of Arizona, where um, a man was arrested for allegedly setting off a small bomb outside of the Benson Police Department. Um, The 44-year-old, excuse me, 47-year-old man um, had put together a bomb um, with a heating device and a bottle filled with some type of liquid, um, set it outside of the station, um, and then fled. Uh, Police uh, had picked up his car on a security camera were able to apprehend him. Um, the chief had said that he believes that uh, the bomb was set to do less damage, but more intimidation to the officers. Um, although investigators are still looking into the case, it, it they feel that there's a possibility he might've been doing this because of a previous arrest. But even uh, just on the basis of trying to intimidate the police to, to use an explosive device, outside of the station um that's a little much just a tad right so mm-hmm. it, it never ceases to amaze me what people will do Let, let's think about this for a second the police don't show up unless somebody's breaking the law so dude gets police's attention and gets arrested uh is upset about it accordingly according to story allegedly right mm-hmm. he creates this homemade bomb which by the way if people knew the bombs you could make with the stuff that's underneath your kitchen sink, it would probably scare a lot of folks. Um, as a former combat engineer, I learned what you can do with the heating packs out of MREs, and it's amazing stuff. Um, but he creates this bomb, and I'm glad nobody was hurt. This, to me, just goes to show you how unstable people can be and how irrational they can be when they have to pay the price for their own mistakes, but then they want to hurt somebody else because they had to pay the price for their mistakes. It, it makes no sense. I'm glad nobody was hurt. Yeah. And again, we've talked about this before the brazenness of uh, individuals uh, now to be doing this. Just to, again, to, I said at the top, just it seems a bit much, just the aggravation that you might have had at a previous arrest that you're going to set off an explosive. Um, you don't even know um, whether just an innocent person would would be coming by at that time, even on a small device on on what could happen. Um, and, you know, when people don't think about that, it, it, it I don't know. For me, that's that that goes that's, a, that's beyond the pale. Yeah, that's one of those shocks to conscience things. Right. But right. so. I think what gets me is, you know, there was a time where criminals would do a lot of stuff, but they knew better than trying to intentionally kill a police officer uh-huh. because 
that was crossing that line, right? They were like, you know, no, you don't want to go there because you'll be on everybody's radar. There's just no peaceful life after that. Um, and people don't even feel that way anymore. They feel I, I, it's starting to, it's a shame to say it. It's starting to feel like uh, it's a competition to see who can get the most attention for hurting police. Hmm. That, that's that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem to be every everyone's trying to top everyone else. And uh, especially when you're able to post these things online, videos or what have you, it it, it becomes about uh, showing off and you know, I'm, I'm the, uh, the baddest SOB or whatever. Um, so yeah, it, again, thankfully no one was hurt and, um, it didn't appear that there was uh, much damage done to the station. No, thank God. Moving on to our next story. This is out of Indiana where, uh, two of the state's top law enforcement officials, um, were upset at uh, the release of an individual who had a history of ramming uh, police cruisers. He had um, been apprehended uh, during a after fleeing a traffic stop um, in Indianapolis, uh, where he rammed um, an Indianapolis uh, police cruiser multiple times uh, before he was apprehended. Um, in February, uh, he was. Uh, actually arrested but uh shot um for doing something very similar um in this latest case he was released on bond um what turned out to be a lower amount um than was had originally been uh, decided uh because of a clerical error um and uh, the guy was put back out on the streets and, and right now this is one of the most um I guess one of the most infuriating aspects of law enforcement, you hear a, a lot of um, top officials talking about criminals being being caught and then just put back right out on the street um, almost immediately. Yeah. And when you look at the whole zero bail thing that's going on in certain states in this country, it exacerbates the problem. But when you have somebody who commits a crime, they get arrested, they get low bail or no bail, and they go out and they repeat the same crime. Um, you know, it ought to be a hint to anybody with common sense, the problem with common sense being that it's uncommon to anybody with common sense that maybe we shouldn't have let him out, that maybe he should stay in jail. Um, the, the guy is lucky. Like the one time he, he's ramming a car and he gets shot, uh, right. you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. But the fact that he is targeting law enforcement, ramming their vehicles, people forget. They're like, well, it's just car on car. I mean, no big deal. Well, it's a 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 pound weapon, and you never know what's going to come as a result of that accident. That's why we all try to avoid them because you don't want to die or be seriously maimed or injured. Um, yeah, I, I can understand them being upset. And the clerical error, I mean, look, we're human, we make mistakes, but when a guy's got a $45,000 bond and he gets out on $4,500 bond, that's an absence of a zero there. Um, somebody needs maybe a correction put in their file. I'm thinking, and it, both the um, Indianapolis police chief and the head of uh, Indiana State Police were uh, upset just on the sheer fact that um, this individual was getting bail whatsoever after yeah. having this previous in incident in February. You know, disregard the the clerical error. Um, 
you know, whether it was 4,500, 45,000 or 450,000, these law enforcement officials felt that, you know, he shouldn't have, he should have been held um, until trial. It's proof that the court system doesn't feel, or at least some of the progressives in the court system don't feel that attacking the police is such a bad thing. And, you know, we don't need to keep people in prison for it. That's a slap in the face of law enforcement. I agree with both of those those law enforcement leaders. And that uh, comment leads uh, nicely into our next story um, out of Nevada, where um, a human resources complaint um, has been filed against the Clark County Special Public Defender's Office. Um, this was a uh, this uh, complaint was made by a former investigator who said that the um, office was fostering a culture intolerant toward law enforcement. Um, the Clark County Special Public Defender's Office uh, handles uh, murder cases and felonies that uh, involve uh, the, uh, excuse me, life sentences. Um, and um, this uh, individual uh, had talked about uh, several occasions where um, she was, I guess I'll use the word confronted with um, anti-police uh, rhetoric and um, T-shirts and slogans. Um, and it, it, it was baffling to her as well as to other former employees uh, quoted in the article um, why uh, this office would employ former law enforcement as investigators, why they would even do that if they had such disregard uh, for for people uh, in law enforcement. You know, it's a shame in this, Joe, um, that if you read through the article, you find essentially you have you have two different people working in this office, one very pro-police, one very anti-police. And when I say anti-police, um, this one attorney is reportedly wearing a shirt that says Blue Lives Murder uh, in response to her workmate using a drinking out of a coffee mug that says Back the Blue. Um, you know, I, it, it's a shame that the politics get involved. And, and But I don't understand how anybody can work in our judicial system, be hired and cleared to work in our judicial system and be... Uh, of the preconceived disposition that all law enforcement is evil or murderous, uh, homicidal, whatever. Um, they're, they're insulting. She, she's, she's offering to order other mugs that, that had anti-law enforcement slogans on them and, and just being in general anti-police. Um, I, I don't think, I, I get to be at a loss for words. I'm like, how does somebody work in a public defender's office Here's the thing. Yes, they have a responsibility to provide a proper defense for the people who can't afford an attorney. But if your motivation in doing that is not to provide the defense, but to, to prove police officers are criminals, then you don't need to be working in the office. You're not serving justice. Right. Uh, you're using the office as a pulpit. And that, that should be unacceptable. Um, but, you know, as it turns out, uh, you know, the one... Where is it saying here? The head of the office emailed the pro-police attorney, the one using the back the blue mug, and said, hey, that offended your colleagues and violates county policy regarding political speech. Since when is supporting the police political? Only since uh, being critical of them in the mainstream media has made it political. It used to just be 
the right thing to do, you know, obey the law, honor and respect the people who enforce the law. They're out there to protect and serve. When did that become a political position? It's it's just getting a little beyond the pale of stupid. What what I have trouble um, understanding is, yes, they are um, public defenders, and yes, they're they are, you know, representing uh, defendants in these cases. Um, there just doesn't seem to be respect for the entire system. It doesn't, you don't have to necessarily be adversarial toward law enforcement simply because you're, you're um, defending people who are, who are being picked up by them, who are being arrested by, by police. Um, there, there should be a better sense of um, the, the whole system. And like you said, serving justice. Um, and uh, from from what this complaint says, I'm I, I don't I don't see that within the office. No. And, you know, it's it's telling there's a, a note in this article about how one investigator left in, in August um, less than two weeks after he started with the office. There's a problem when you have people come in and less than two weeks later, they're going, nope, I can't work here. I'm out. That That's telling. There, there's a leadership issue there. Yeah. Moving on to our next story. And. Um, this is all this is about people um, getting out uh, of, of something uh, early as well. Um, the Massachusetts State Police Training Academy is seeing one of its largest um, dropout rates um, with its current class. Um, right now, its attrition rate is about 46 percent um, of the recruits uh, who started out uh, in the class. Um, most of those uh, had dropped out within the first two weeks, which are some of the most intensive at the academy. Um, the top three reasons uh, given for, for leaving were medical or, or injury, uh, unprepared physically um, and or uh, mentally or un excuse me, unprepared physically or mentally um, or just feeling that the, this was the wrong career choice for them. Um, it, it's something that has uh, jumped out to the academy. Um, the normal attrition rate uh, uh, for them is about is somewhere between uh, twenty five percent to thirty three percent. One of the things that was pointed out uh, was again this was in the these dr this, these dropouts were coming in about the first two weeks of the academy, um, which basically is there to simulate uh, the extreme conditions that can happen uh, in law enforcement. Um, and the question is raised is, is you know, do, should that be changed? And um, the head of the academy, uh, you know, didn't mince words and said no, is that the, you know, office, recruits and future officers need to be able um to know how to act in these situations because that's what's going to happen once they hit the streets. Yeah. If you, if you can't take the, the uh, emotional, mental and physical testing in the first week or two of the Academy, you're not going to make it on the street, but I'm, I'm going to blame this on a couple of things here, Joe. So medical and injury in the first two weeks. All right. Um, unprepared physically. I think those go hand in hand, right? Yeah. When, yeah. when you're not properly fit, to go in the academy and then you're, you're performing uh, all these fitness related tasks or all these physically mandatory uh, stressing tasks, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be people like 
you know, I mean, torn muscles or I'm, I'm not talking about people being abused. You know what I mean? They, they uh-huh. just, the body, their body wasn't ready in trying to perform. They injure themselves. You get sports type injuries. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're out. Um, being unprepared mentally, excuse me, to me goes hand in hand with that wrong career choice. If you're the kind of person who just breaks down when somebody calls you a bad name, you're not meant for law enforcement. And if you can't handle the instructor standing there in front of you, yelling at you, not even calling you names, just raising his voice to you or her voice to you, you are not prepared to go work on the street. Now, th- this is this is a, a, a scary attrition rate, all right? When I my academy class, I think we lost two people out of 32 people. So you're talking about a 6% attrition rate, roughly. 46% is half. That is equal to some of the most elite training programs that our military has to offer. And the military certainly doesn't have the restrictions that, that civilian law enforcement has. So, uh, you know, I, I have to think some of this is not proper screening of the recruits, but that comes out of the desperation of filling st- slots because uh-huh. everybody shows so short staff. It's a snowballing problem that, everybody in law enforcement is going to have to deal with, but they better find the right answer. They better find the solution. And I'm going to make a suggestion. I'm going to make the suggestion that they quit focusing on all of the recruits that were straight A students and, and um, you know, never had any disciplinary action in school. And they've got a two-year degree or a four-year degree and they were this and they were that. And they never played a contact sport and they've never served in the military and they have no concept of what it is to face conflict or have to stand up to a challenge. Those are not the people that are going to be successful in law enforcement. You, I mean, I hate to say it, but in law enforcement, you better know how to fight mentally, emotionally, and physically. And if you're not ready for it, no, you, you're not ready for it. The The one positive note out of this is that it, it did seem like a, um Many of the recruits who did um, drop out in this first week said they'd like to try to to go at it again for whatever reason, you know, they decided to quit at this time. Um, so that that is helpful. But, yeah, I I, I would hope, too, that um, of those people who who dropped out, even who said that they they were joining because they wanted to, you know, serve, um, protect their community, that um, if law enforcement isn't isn't right for them that they look for, for some av- other Avenue, um, you know, to, to help out uh, the public. Well, yeah. I mean, and it's great that people are truly dedicated and want to come back and give it another try. And I think those are the people probably that weren't fit enough, experienced an injury and they, Hey, Hey, once I heal, I'll come back. Yeah. I'll, I'll be, I'll be more prepared and, and God bless them. We need them. Moving on to our next story, and it's another uh, staffing story. Uh, this is out of St. Louis, where uh, a f- couple uh, city officials um, are a bit rankled over an upcoming uh, recruiting event by the Atlanta Police Department that's going to be happening in St. Louis. Um, both the mayor and another uh, city official pretty much called it poaching of uh, their area law enforcement, which both at the county and city level are facing uh, staffing shortages. Um, This is not something um, that's new um, this year or or in recent history. Um, 
departments have been trying to um, go outside their backyard looking for recruits, um, in some cases going to other metropolitan areas to try to um, draw uh, new officers out uh, with enticements of incentives and other benefits. Um, but uh, this is the first time I've really, um, really seen a vocal pushback uh, from city officials about it. Well, you know, I hate to say it, but recruiting has become a very competitive thing. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure Atlanta's not just going to St. Louis. St. Louis mayor is just the guy that's speaking out the loudest about right. it, I guess. Or his was a story that made the paper, right? Um, you know, this is going to go on everywhere. Look, Los Angeles, they, they advertise nationwide. And the mayors and the county executives and the governors of all the other cities, counties, and states, they are absolutely in denial if they think they're not competing with every other agency out there. And it's absolutely, I'm going to use Los, Los Angeles as, as the example. Los Angeles Police Department is absolutely smart if they hire away lateral transfers, experienced police officers. From other places because it cuts down their training curve mm -hmm. it gives them already trained experienced people with with better judgment than the pure cadet coming into the academy this is going on coast to coast i hate to tell excuse me um the the mayor that what is this gentleman's name is i can't even find it, it you know the the st louis mayor sorry get over it uh every everywhere coast the to coast well, and the irony is, is that uh, the St. Louis Police Department itself has done similar events in New York, um, uh, New Orleans and Chicago and other uh, cities in the country. So it, it's it's a little disingenuous to be upset about Atlanta um, coming to St. Louis to to be doing that. I understand um, St. Louis has has. Um, a larger, larger staff shortages than, than Atlanta, but at. At the same time, um, you know, like you said, it, it, it it's become super competitive now. Um, there there does appear to be a, a there's a smaller pool to to draw from, um, you know, and just as, as you were pointing out with the uh, Massachusetts uh, State Police Academy uh, dropouts is that, you know. You're looking for different uh types of candidates and sometimes those aren't panning out and um you know uh, law enforcement uh, agencies are trying anything they can to to make sure they they have enough people uh to cover ships and just as a as, as a final note on this particular mm -hmm. piece in the article according to the article st louis county starts their officers out at a higher pay rate than atlanta does so if, if people are leaving St. Louis to go to Atlanta and potentially taking a pay cut, you got to wonder what's the yeah. motivation and what the cause is. Just something for the mayor to think about. Good point. Next story, this is out of Ohio, and this goes into our pretty much weekly, uh, what do you want to call it, the Darwin Awards category? Um, you know, I, I can't do that, Joe. I'm, I can't say this was a stupid criminal. Or okay, you know what? You're right. Award. This was actually a smart um, – a smart business owner. Yes. <laughs> We're smart employees. Um, 
this was a case where uh, police uh, officers in Akron uh, responded to a call about uh, a car breaking at uh, an auto wrecker. Um, and when they arrived, uh, they found that uh, the employees there had pretty much done the job. They captured uh, the suspect inside a car uh, and lifted it 20 feet off uh, the ground thanks to a forklift. Um, and that's where the suspect sat uh, until um, police arrived. I, I love that there's a statement in here that the dispatcher on the phone's laughing and she says, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. We'll get somebody <laughs> yeah. out for you. Yeah. This is, you know, think about this. And when you, and when you look at the video, the doors aren't blocked. None of that. This guy is being held by his fear of falling 20 feet. That's yeah. what's got him captured. And the police show up. All the dude in the forklift's got to do is set the car down. Police open the door. We're done. Definitely not a stupid criminal story. Definitely a kudos to the quick-thinking employees that lifted the car up off the ground. It's absolutely hilarious. So I like the dispatcher's comment. Yeah. No. And this uh, this individual had apparently um, broken into cars before, um, and the business had pretty much just gotten fed up with it and thankfully all as always uh it, no no injuries were reported in, in the incident and um yeah it, it you have to also see the video too of the body cam of the officers getting there with this this what appears to be um an suv suv or minivan on the forklift <laughs> and for the record is. yep for the record no forklifts were injured in the making <laughs> of this video and just as a side note, apparently this week, a lot of forklift news outside of this one, there was also a a, um, a low speed chase with a stolen forklift. So I wouldn't want to stop one of those. They weigh a yeah. lot. Oh, yeah. Like that, trying to stop a tank. <laughs> so, again, watch out. Apparently it's forklift season. Um, finally, in our for our last story, um, this is just a is my favorite story of the week. A, a wonderful story out of Florida. Um a boy um, in Hillsborough County uh, called 911, actually calling. He wanted to give a, a police officer a hug, and uh, a deputy was went out to the house, um, talked to the mom, and said, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, my my son has a phone. It's disconnected, but disconnected phones can still call 911." And she calls her son, who runs to the door. And gives the deputy a big hug first thing, <laughs> and it, you can see the the um, the door uh, the doorbell camera, uh, the woman's doorbell camera showing the hug, and the the deputy is just surprised by it because <laughs> the kid just runs into uh, into his arms. But the not only the de de does the deputy share a hug with the boy, but uses this moment as a teaching moment uh, to explain just when you're supposed to call 911 and that while it's nice to to say you want to give a hug to a to an officer maybe reserve that for another number another time yeah you know and and I do love the fact that there's this child that wants a hug um from a law enforcement or from a police officer right so this deputy mm -hmm. shows up and provides it takes it as a, a teaching moment I love that I like that the mom was smart enough to give her son a phone that wasn't connected to a service, but apparently didn't realize even everybody out there needs to remember this. If your cell phone has charge, even if it doesn't have service, you can still dial nine one one. 
Um, it, we, we don't see this enough these days. We see too many parents telling their children, hey, you behave or the police are going to come put you in jail. And, and they scare their children with the police that this child wanted to hug a police officer. Um, is uh, it, it's just, it warms my heart. You know, it's one of my favorite stories of the week. It is. It, it, you definitely check it out on the website. Um, you got to see the video because it's just it's just priceless seeing this kid just just run out of the door, um, not even saying a word, just run out and and hugging hugging this deputy. Great stuff. Yep. That does it for this week. Thank you again, as always, for listening. Um, as we go into this weekend, this Saturday is Veterans Day. And first off, I'd like to thank you, Frank, uh, for your service. But I, I, I know both of us uh, would like to do the same for all the men and women um, out there listening um, who have served uh, their country. 100%. You know, there's an awful lot of men and women in police uniform, law enforcement uniform, that have served in a military uniform. Um, and I, I want to thank them all for their service. I'm an army vet. So everybody who's not an army vet, if I was face to face with you, I'd have to give you grief about your branch of service, but you've got to give it back. That's veteran law. Um, and then to move on and do that a second time in a law enforcement uniform. Thank you again. Uh, we appreciate your service and your sacrifice, and we hope you can stay safe and, and find a way to enjoy at least some time this weekend. Absolutely. And, you know, one last thing I'd like to for this Veterans Day, I'd just like to do a little shout out to both my grandfathers who are no longer with us. But um, my my grand my grandfather, Vince, who uh, uh, served in the Navy on the USS Intrepid and um, my grandfather, Gratella, who um, served uh, in the Army uh, during World War Two. Um, miss you both. Uh, Joe, um, it's great to have family history, uh, ancestors that have done that. I'm glad you recognize them. I'm glad you remember them and honor them. Um, I'm not going to go through the list because between my wife and I, we've got 34 service veterans in, in our in our family. Um, it's a, a, a dwindling breed, I think, but uh, mm -hmm. kudos to your grandfathers. Great. Well, everyone, take care. Hope to see you back uh, next week. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Lineup. Please remember, the opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.